Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that's flexible enough to handle any story in the property world. And today we're all about flexible workspace, a market that, according to the latest Work There Flexmark survey, is back where it belongs after the rigours of the pandemic. Companies are more nervous about committing to a 5, 10, 15 year lease. So the fact that you can take a space whether for five people, whether for 200 people, within the space of a few weeks that's already fitted out, kind of ticks a lot of boxes for businesses. Some established hubs, the US, London, Paris, demand is going to continue to grow there. But also India is there, Mumbai came very high in the index. Flex is such a broader term than it previously was, and there's so many different offerings that it's allowing businesses that choice within that flex market to satisfy their needs. I'm Guy Ruddle, and you won't be surprised to hear that I have in my shared workspace three people perfectly adapted to talking about flexible offices. Cal Lee is the founder and global head of Work There, Savile's flexible office specialist who help businesses find the right flexible workspace. He's been on the podcast before. Cal, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me, Guy. And a regular on the Real Estate Insights is Eri Mitzestergiu, who is a director in the World Research Team. It's, it's not been the same without you, Eri. Welcome back. Good morning, Guy. And Jack Williamson, who's new. Welcome, Jack, to the podcast for the first time. Jack is head of work there in the UK. Jack, welcome. Thank you, Guy. I'm looking forward to it. Good. Right. So let's get stuck into this. Um, Cal, let's start with you. Just just sort of paint a picture for me of, of where the sort of flexible work space market is, having presumably had a pretty up and down time during the during the pandemic. Yeah, look, there's no hiding. It had a pretty torrid time during the pandemic. We all started, or most of us started working from home, which wasn't the ideal situation for flexible workspace. But it, but for want of a better word, it, it's bounced back. It's it's had an incredibly strong recovery in a pretty quick time. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at it on a global level, that that's pretty broad across most countries. There's certainly a correlation between countries that were probably quick to adopt vaccines and therefore quicker to get people back into offices in terms of the recovery of how flexible workspace is performing in those markets. Um, But on the whole, most countries, I was talking to our US colleagues the other day and our India colleagues the other day, uh, are performing really well and the market is back. We record it in our data that it's back to about 82% occupancy, which is where it was roughly before the pandemic. And that's the sort of global picture, but sort of we'll we'll narrow down bit by bit. Eri, let's can you help us with Europe? Uh, and and is it this is, is that picture that Cal's painting globally the, the same for for Europe generally? I agree. I agree with uh, with Cal. I mean, I think the same the same factors have, have driven the return to to the office generally and to flexible offices in in particularly. There are certain markets in Europe that uh, are have been more advanced uh, to this, like the London, Amsterdam, and, and a few more as well. Um, and um, uh, the return to, to, to flexible working kind of reflects also, you know, how companies are, are grappling now with all the uncertainties, uh, the uncertainties of the future of hybrid working, the uncertainties of the economies, of the economics. And uh, they are using flexible as as a way to figure it out. Yeah, because, of course, there's a lot of figuring out, as you say, to do. Jack, the, it, it, in, in your market in the UK, I mean, we talked, we've been talking about occupancy levels, uh, which is sort of one measure. I, I guess another measure is sort of how profitable operators are, what sort of margins they're getting and things like that. It, has that bounced back as well? 
Yeah, and I think it's bounced back not only, as you say, across the occupancy side, and the UK is probably one of the strongest to bounce back occupancy-wise. We're at about 88% now. Pricing and profitability, profitability has increased, and pricing, we're about 13% up from where we were pre-COVID now. So we really have bounced back on both occupancy and pricing levels. In the UK, in in, in your market, it, it, what, what Eri said about people using it while they work out what the future is, it, is that right? Or is, is, are there more specific things that, that are driving people back into the flexible workspace? I, I think it's a bit of that. Um, but I also think that flex is such a broader term than it previously was. And there's so many different offerings that it's allowing businesses that choice within that flex market to satisfy their needs. And whether that's a longer term or larger spaces, I think flex incorporates more spaces now. So that drive for demand has been sort of quenched by the differing of options throughout that flex market. And we're certainly seeing that throughout the UK and and in London as well. There is a lot of uncertainty across global markets at the moment for, for various different reasons. And I think that plays into the hands of this market to some extent. Companies are more nervous about committing to a 5, 10, 15-year lease um, when there is that uncertainty in the cash that is also associated with that. So the fact that you can take a space, whether for five people, whether for 200 people, within the space of a few weeks that's already fitted out, um, kind of ticks a lot of boxes for businesses in a period where it is difficult to make decisions. Is the nature of the size of companies that are using this sort of space changing? Well, as a, as a researcher, I will, I will point out to the stats because that's what they prove, that there is a, a highest share now of larger corporation and scale-ups that occupy uh, flex offices. And there is also, you know, that this whole trend started with uh, tech companies in the US, maybe... Maybe you know, like uh, um, small small startups, uh, freelancers, etc. And and now this this uh, this has changed. Now we see that we have legal, pharmaceutical, we have other sectors as well occupying space in uh, in uh, in flex offices. And has that changed what they want in terms of what the what it has to you know the amenities it has to have, the shape of it, the size of it, etc. Amenity is a huge driver. Firstly, to get staff back into the office, but secondly for the quality of you know the staff that a lot of businesses are trying to attract at the minute and i think those amenities are different for each businesses and those drivers are different and that's why that nuance of landlords going into flex as well as you know having the traditional flex we're allowed to advise as best we can on those different amenities needed and there are a variety of different offerings now within the market has the amount of time they these companies are taking flexible space for changed as well definitely i think the data shows it um typically probably two three four five years ago when we started we were doing deals that were six 12 months we're now doing deals for clients that are 24 months 36 months even five years so they are taking a slightly longer term view than than they were a few years ago but it's still not um 10 or 15 years so that's that paints a picture right of, of where we are now but you can't ever stand still and as you know, I think you've all been suggesting, you know, the way companies are, are, are looking at office space and the way they employ people is not going to stop changing, I don't suppose. So so what are the sort of key things that this sector needs to do? What, it, what does it need to provide to be absolutely certain that it's relevant and, and in the right place for, for occupiers for the next, I don't know, five years or so, Cal? Well, I think we've, we've talked about 
the occupancy side and we've shown that demand is back, but we're certainly not out of the woods. And I think there's a number of things on the horizon for the sector. We've talked about profitability and yes, there's more than 50% are now above a margin of 11%, but still I think 21% are making a loss. But it's a maturing sector. So as I said, we're by no means out of the woods yet. There's a number of immediate pressures around how these operators manage their growth, how they manage their cost base to make sure that they're getting those basics right as well as obviously um, filling the space. And longer term, who's the competition? It's quite clear, I think, that flexibility and ease of taking spaces is um, high on the agenda for most clients. So who else needs to go and do this? There's lots of landlords sitting on a lot of office stock, which might not necessarily be fit for purpose in five, 10 years time, both from an ESG and flex perspective. So I think there's a lot of different things for operators to consider moving forward to make sure they're relevant. Yeah, so you've you, you've said a lot there. <laughs> yeah. Let's unpack some of that. Let's start with, with, the, with the supply side of things, shall we? Because, you know, as you say... You, are you, is the suggestion here that that there's more there's more demand than supply, and really some landlords that aren't traditionally in this space need to be thinking about this be, as, as as a space for them, perhaps? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And um, th- there is, as you say, there is supply there, but there is a flight to quality, and that's not a new thing. Um, there is that race for good quality space to ensure that staff are coming back to the office. And I think it's that good quality space and that growing space take size that is really lacking in supply. And that will be either afforded by landlords um, going into this space, as you say, whether it's having their own flex brand or whether they're just fully fitting, fully managing spaces or whatever that sort of concept takes with individual landlords. But there is also that lack of supply for flex operators and how they will end up taking space. There is a mismatch uh, with regards to what we see in demand in terms of demand from users for flex office space and in terms of how much providers are expanding currently. Pre-pandemic, on average, in um, uh, 20, 20 cities across the world, the average kind of level of take-up from providers of flex office space accounted for, let's say, about 10% of the total leasing market. And post-pandemic, it has halved, which reflects that they are cautious with their approach in expansion, but also probably the supply shortages that uh, Jack just described. I think that's partly because landlords may be going into that market and also the changing ways where pre-pandemic, a flex operator was more than willing to take a lease, whereas now I think it's management agreements and they possibly are not something that all landlords are used to yet. And I think that is taking that bit of lag to come through. Yeah, I think, you know, we do a lot of work with landlords, we do a lot of work with operators. I think 95% of those we talk to operator-wise are really keen to expand, are keen to grow, some are keen to double, treble in size. The real challenge is them finding either the right real estate or the right landlords to partner with. And and so we do. I do see a bit of a squeeze coming where the demand keeps growing, the supply, they can't grow at the rate they want to grow to go and subsequently backfill it. Uh, and that might mean a bit of short-term, you know, pressure on pricing, pushing it upwards, which is, which is positive for those that profitability point. But but we do need more supply in this market, and as Jack says, it could come from landlords, it will also come from operators as well. Does the type of relationship need to change, or are, are you going to see different types of relationship in the future in terms of I don't know length of lease or who pays for what or or whatever, or or, or is that pretty much established now of of what that relationship is going to look like? I think every landlord looks at it completely differently. You know, you've got the likes of Landsec and British Land have gone and created their own 
you know, brand and their own flex offering. Whereas the likes of GPE, who are a landlord that have really committed to flex, aren't creating their own specific brand like a Maya or a Story, but they are committing to fully fitting and fully managing spaces. And, you know, landlords tend to look with a longer term view. So two year terms, three year terms, possibly up to five year terms. So I think that relationship with how landlords are coming into it, the, the changes will be term and probably quality of fitted space however what i think the learnings that they need to take is that hospitality-led approach for the services and how they're actually delivered to occupiers so let's talk a bit more about that what do you mean by hospitality-led approach i think um it's it's what's expected so anyone that's been an occupier in flex space they expect there to be a concierge service they expect to be able to go to reception book something something if there's milk needed if there's coffees needed tea they just expect it to be there Whereas landlords that are coming into that market, they're very, very good at delivering office space. You know, they're good at delivering fitted space. What they need to make sure that they're not forgetting is that hospitality-led approach to ensure that their occupiers and their tenants feel that same level of service and quality that they were in a flexible and serviced office. So beyond that, that's that, that's a sort of quite general thing. Specifically, Jack, what you know, when you talk to to potential occupiers, what are the most important things? I mean, obviously, apart from flexible space, but the sort of amenities and things like that. What what are the key things that that they're looking for? What what concerns them most within the space? It's all about how it's used. Because with hybrid working, there are peaks and flows of numbers of staff being in. And therefore, it's very hard for an occupier to use their space in one single way. So the likes of having phone booths, activity and collaboration spaces that can double up as breakout spaces when there's not so many people in the office, but also touchdown activity-led collaboration spaces. I think they're two of the key drivers um, because there are more Teams calls, there are more Zoom calls. So having that opportunity to have those meeting booths and phone booths, as well as that collaboration space, I think are two key points with regards to hybrid working. The other one we see is day passes. And so companies, they might be 40 people, but they want a private suite for 20 people because people are going to be in and out, as Jack says, throughout the week, doing two or three days a week. But for those days where there might be all 40 in on a Wednesday, and because there's free pizza or whatever it might be that's bringing them in, um, they want those day passes so their staff can at least work from a co-working area next to the private office. And that means they're a bit more efficient as a business. They're no longer taking a private suite for 40 people that sits empty, to, you know, 70% of the week. Um, they're actually using the space well. So we see that a lot with a glass pretty much globally. We see that for a lot for a lot of our clients. We can't do a whole podcast without talking about uh, you know, uh, net zero and, and carbon and all that sort of stuff. Do, do occupiers really, I mean, in flexible offices, is, it, is that something they, you know, when, they, when they're looking at space, do they actually say it's got to be, you know, carbon neutral or whatever? I'm not sure occupiers or all occupiers are quite there yet. Larger occupiers and more... Corporate occupiers, yes, they obviously have their numbers and their quotas that they have to hit. But I think at the minute it's being led by developers and landlords, and that's then feeding through to the operators themselves. There are a number of um, B Corps coming out now of the operators. And then that's starting to feed through to the occupiers. And often when it's put in front of them, they understand it and that's great, but it's not necessarily one of their top five checklist boxes. However, I do think that is starting to feed through and will continue over that next five-year period. So developers and operators need to be making those changes now 
rather than retrofitting as that sort of wave comes through of the occupiers becoming more educated on it. And Eri, geographically, is it is it sort of even or do you think that sort of particular parts of the world or particular types of city or something are, are going to see more growth than others? We actually tried to analyse this uh, and make some predictions. So uh, we, we, we took a few factors into consideration. So, uh, I mean... We said that you know um, this 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 sector is has been driven by tech and innovation. Of course, other sectors, traditional ones, drive demand as well. But we believe we still believe innovation is uh, is important when a city has a, an, an innovative kind of uh, uh, business culture, when a city has a flexible business culture, uh, when it has an economy that grows, um, uh, when the office market maybe the traditional one is too expensive or too tight. I mean, these are factors, I think, that will enhance the demand from occupier side. And 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 our index shows that, um, probably unsurprisingly, some established hubs that we already mentioned, the US, London, Paris, uh, our uh, demand is going to, to, to continue to grow there. But we also, uh, also our stats proved that India is there. Mumbai came very high in the index mm. because uh, it has a, a fast-growing um, service sector and a lot of innovation as well is is, is going on there. Um, and any kind of the middle of the of the index, purely I would say because of the size of their markets, because they're kind of smaller markets, we see. Uh, like uh, European cities like Amsterdam and the Spanish cities going there. Uh, Amsterdam in particular is is uh, quite small. It, it's, it's, it's small compared to the amount of demand and, uh, and the amount of activity and innovation that is uh, it's happening. So, yeah, I think it's going to be even more or less, but it will be determined as well from the size of this, uh, of yeah. this market and their prospects for growth. Now you can't uh, you can't escape from the studio without coming up with something I don't know. Our little feature of, of of you guys having to come up with something that sort of just shines an extra bit of light on the topic. And as I always say, it's not hard to th- to come up with things that I don't know. But uh, where should we start? Let's go round the table from 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 my left. Cal, tell me something I don't know. No pressure. We asked our landlords, uh, clients in a in a future survey coming up, um, how many of them think. Uh, tenants require more flexibility from lease terms going forward and 72% said yes but I think less than 20% are at this stage doing anything about it so there's definitely a mismatch at the moment yeah wow Eri you've you've had to do this a number of times tell me another thing I don't know uh, well, an indication of uh, hybrid level, hybrid working levels uh, currently um, in uh, in uh, in Europe, twenty seven percent of people still go five days uh, uh, per week in the office. Same happens in Asia. Twenty seven percent of people are in the office five days a week. This drops to fifteen percent in the US, and at the bottom we have. UK, where only six percent of the people go five days a week in the office. Just six percent. Uh, Jack, finally, uh, tell me something I don't know. I'm going to finish on a very positive note and just show the resilience of the flex market and the difference of users. So in half one, our inquiries were made up of 18% were new businesses, yet we're still hearing that 53% of corporate occupiers need more flex space. So it just shows the resilience and diversity of the flex market. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Listen, all of you, thank you so much for, for being here and, and doing that for us. That's, uh, that's been fascinating. If all that's done is whetted your appetite for more knowledge, more wisdom, more detail, you'll find plenty in the work there Flexmark report for 2022. You'll find that on the insights and research section of the Work There website, workthere.com. Cal, is that right? That's correct. There you are. That's the one, workthere.com. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.